Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes, industry legends, experts, and mountain lovers from all walks of life. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there will be no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear, presented by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Long Underwear. I, of course, am your host, Amy. And today on the podcast, I'm excited because I have the Egan brothers on the podcast. I have two people on the podcast at the same time. This is great. I have Dan and I have John. John's getting a call. He's very busy. John, he's always getting calls. Everybody's calling him. Hi, guys. Dan, Welcome to the you. podcast. <laughs> Dan's calling me right now. I got to talk to Dan. I got to call John. <laughs> John, we're supposed to be on with Amy. <laughs> I'm late. You guys are here. We're all here. We're doing this on Zoom, which is fun. You guys are back east. I'm out west. And the beauty of technology, we're going to do a podcast. Is this your guys' first podcast? Have you guys been on one before? What are, what's a podcast? <laughs> is that is that like a, a cast, like fishing rod, like a podcast? You, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. this is my first or second or 20th, but yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. John's a, John's a modern man. You know, he gets around. He's really into technology. He's got internet. You have internet up there, John? <laughs> well, I had to go to my friend's house for this. So. <laughs> Don't worry, that's only 14 miles up the road, the next neighbor there. That's right. Oh, that's man. Well, yeah, I'm we love Vermont. you guys are here. Yeah, I'm jealous you guys are in Vermont in the fall and getting ready. It's all cozy winter vibes out there. We've had some snow already on the ground. Um, the leaves are off the trees, and uh, yeah, things are changing. Nice. I've only gotten to ski in Vermont once, but I'm hoping to come back out and give it another go. We got to fix that, Amy. You know, I know. Really hey, at least I've been once, you know, like there's a long time where I was like, I'd never skied out east, so I didn't know, but I'll be back. I'll be back. Um, so you guys, for this year's film for Future Retro, you were in Big Sky and you were actually there with Tom Day and my dad was filming, which is pretty fun. How 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 was your guys' trip up there? It was great. You know, it was uh, so, so good to see your dad, of course, because uh, he skied in the movies with us uh, back in the day when we we're making the North Face films, and and that was so fun. And yeah, it was just great to be up at Big Sky, of course, and uh, to bring everybody into town. Um, so fun, and no better mountain than Big Sky. I know. I think the last time I saw both of you, wait, didn't I see you guys? The last time I saw you in person, Dan was at Big Sky with YPO, right? YPO. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think I saw you, Amy, um, at one of the Warren Miller shows. Was yeah, all of the year before, right? I, can't remember. They all run together, but I think that was the last time that we got to gather in person. Um, but yeah, you, you guys had, I mean, you guys were up there kind of as the world was ending the way I was in Switzerland, like at the same time. And what, what was that like? What was kind of the, you guys got to actually get some special access and still ski. And to me, it kind of feels like when I was filming my Warren Miller part, it was like the last memory of when the world was like, quote unquote, normal. I don't know if you guys feel that way. Cause I know I was talking with my dad, like I'm in Switzerland, like I gotta come home, you know? And my dad's up in big sky. He's like, we're not leaving. <laughs> you know, it was really amazing. Uh, Dan and I both commented that, you know, we've had chairlifts closed so we could ski there and film for Warren. 
Uh, we've had slopes, we've had faces of mountains closed, but never the world. The world has never closed for us <laughs> to make a Warren Miller movie. And this was really impressive. And I just realized that, you know, when you get together with the powerhouses of the town, you know, I had Scott Schmidt and my brother Danny again showing me around their town. The town steps up and plays the game. I mean, Tommy and I were treated like kings there. Um, I'm sure your dad told you great stories about it. And uh, the snow was fantastic. And it was really fun to see with everybody again. I got to say, it was like old school. It really was. It was fun. Well, I'm really excited about this segment, too, because we've got you guys. We've got Scott Schmidt, of course. Um, and then Tom Day gets in front of the camera, which doesn't hasn't happened in a while. So that's I think it's just going to be... I'm really excited for it. I'm excited to see your guys' segment. I'm only the only segment I'm more excited to see is mine, of course. But you know, <laughs> of course, I, I would expect no less. You know, the neat thing about having Tom there, and I'm sure Dan, you can chime in anytime. But I'm sure you feel the same. I, I mean, for me, I've skied in some of my first movies over in Europe with Tom. Uh, some of the first movies I did in California with Tom. I've skied with Tom for a long, long time. Uh, Dan and Tom and Lizzie and I traveled all through Europe for many, many years together making films. So it was just such a great time to reminisce and catch up and see where it's gone over, you know, 35, 40 years of skiing together is really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, it's just so great that Tom is so involved with the movie you know, because of the, his relationship with Warren and his history with Warren. And, you know, there's only a few really there that ever really worked directly with Warren. And so I really feel like he's carrying the whole sort of, he's carrying a lot forward. He's thinking about the formulas that we all shot and Warren told us about, you know, uh, just to how to get the film done. Don't come home without the cutaways, you know, and, uh, <laughs> You know, so I, I think that's great. He's a great caretaker of, as everybody is at Warren Miller Entertainment, uh, of Warren and the yeah. legacy of Warren. And, um, you know, when we had, uh, I was speaking with Mosley earlier about the, the, the uh, when he was on with John and I about the Ski Bum film. Mm -hmm. And I just thanked him uh, for carrying on the legacy as he has for Warren so well, you know. Yeah. And I think kind of piggybacking on that, I kind of, what I want to know from you guys, since you too have been working with the films since you've worked with Warren, is like what what has changed about the Warren Miller films, you know, since your guys' first time in the film? And what's still exactly the same? Because I think there's a lot of both. I don't know. Dan, you, you start. Well, I mean, what's missing, of course, is Warren. Well, and yeah. what's missing is Warren's voice and Warren's Warren you know, his sort of uh, the authenticity of Warren. Warren sort of as the man behind the curtain, the wizard, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there was so much to, to do to gain Warren's respect. Uh, mm -hmm. And of course, then there was Don Berlin, the producer, and then the cameraman. So it was sort of like, there were all these bars you had to jump over. Um, and there was a, there was a pretty high bar. I think the bar is still very high at Warren Miller Entertainment. You know, the, what we always joke, used to joke about is Warren Miller makes the best movie. Everybody else makes a bad Warren Miller movie. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I still think that's true. You know, there still is a really high bar. There's still a lot of people at, that really care about the legacy at Warren Miller. Uh, and what's changed is mostly for the better. You know, the, the, the editing, the quality, the, the, the output 
um, you know, sort of getting it up to that, you know, broadcast Hollywood standard is amazing. And, uh, you, you know, and of course, the staff, I mean, what three people used to do, there's probably now 15, 20, maybe more, you know, totally. So, you know, that's, that, that's what's changed in my mind so much. Yeah. You know, Amy, when I think about the very first time I shot with Warren Miller back in the seventies and there was no radios, oh. uh, Fletcher Manley would go away for 20 minutes and then you'd hear a whistle. And when you heard that whistle and you could hear from all over the mountain, I was filming here in Vermont and he's on the other side. He whistles when he whistles, you skied and you didn't stop skiing till you were done with the run. Like you just skied what he told you to do. And that was it. Now we have radios and things like that. So the communication is very different, but the hurry up and wait is still the same. Oh yeah. You know, um, <laughs> you know when I, when I think about it, you know, and of course, uh, Tommy Day is a big fan of the Grateful Dead. And, uh, we, we were singing, uh, make ski movies, take three runs a day. <laughs> you <laughs> exactly. know, um, we we're just humming that all day. And, you know, you, the neat thing is we're, we're creating this whole film thing and we love what we're doing. We have to share what we do with these, with everybody in the whole world, which is so cool. But also you're sitting there on the mountain and I get to watch Tommy Day, Dan Egan and Scott Schmidt rip a line like think about that so now i'm i'm ready to rip a line and and the it just builds the excitement builds you know the uh the the group gets better as they hang out longer and the camaraderie grows and it's just really fun and everybody's laughing and it's just a beautiful day of skiing that you know you, you get to live forever yeah. we can plug that dvd and watch it next year if we want yeah i love that though the teamwork I think that's what sometimes people don't see, you know, behind the curtain, like you were saying, Dan, is it's the teamwork, it's the communication, it's the vibe of everything, you know, we're not just out there skiing and these shots just happen to happen. <laughs> that's not the way it works. We're actually, like you said, standing around a lot, um, but it's that teamwork that makes it, you know, we're working to create something to share with, with other people, with, you know, the people that come out and watch these films. So I don't know. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I'm excited. It, it really is. It's so exciting. Amy. And as you know, you've been in the theaters, right? Mm -hmm. um, Dan and I have both been in the theaters. You're up on the stage. You're looking out at the most excited crowd that has assembled to watch. And it's the beginning of winter for so many families. And, and I remember back to when I saw Warren in my first Warren Miller movie, when I started narrating the movie live up there with yep. the little light bulb and the, uh, <laughs> the the legal pad, right? And the whole narration was scribbled on the legal pad. And when he thought of a better joke, he'd scratch it out and write <laughs> a better joke on it. And when Dan and I were um, at his house making the, the ski bum movie, uh, we got to go up in his office and he had all of those jokes, all the narrations, everything categorized wow. and saved. So there was, you know, a whole category, jokes about Amy Engelbrethen, jokes about John Egan, jokes about Dan Egan, like jokes about snowboarders. Like it was so funny. Like That's he was awesome. so ridiculous. And um, it's amazing that he created something that's so cool 
that there's this whole team that just thrives and, and keeps it going. Like he really left a legacy. It's awesome. Yeah. And everybody that is in the Warren Miller movie that's on this podcast that talks about, it's like, well, I grew up going to the Warren Miller films with my parents, you know, and that's my story. That's my dad's story. That's your guys' story. Like it's just, and that keeps going. And it's, um, it's hard this year that we can't be in person, but we will be together in person again. And I don't think anything is tearing this Warren Miller legacy down one, one year at home watching a movie virtually. It's okay. It's still going to be fun. And, um, I'll definitely miss the theater experience though, but man, I wish I could have seen Warren narrate him live. It sounds so cool. That's my dad's first films. We're seeing him narrate him live and it just sounds awesome. Right. Well, I'm sure Dan's going to have a big viewing party over in New Hampshire. I know we're going to have a few friends over socially distanced and, and wear our masks and do yep. everything right. Yeah. Um, but it is a shame. I do miss the excitement of seeing the people in the theaters get so amped up about the film. It's just when it, when you, you're backstage or you're out front listening, when you can't see the film, you're working, but you hear the whole crowd either laugh or gasp. Yeah. You just know there's a cool thing happening, you know? Totally. Totally. Well, you guys on this podcast, we're not supposed to talk about skiing. I call it the S word. We're not supposed to say it. If you guys say it, you have to like, you owe me something. I don't know what it is, but um, we're going to go to the no S word part of the show. Are you guys ready? We can do that. <laughs> You hear that? That's the sound of a cold Sierra Nevada beer that was delivered right to your door. <sighs> Learn more at sierranevada.com. Please drink responsibly. This podcast is made possible by Warren Miller's 71st film, Future Retro, streaming virtually this November. You can't look toward the future without taking a look back at the past. Future Retro will be that connection, past, present, and future. Travel to Antarctica, Montana, Iceland, Switzerland, Alaska, Vermont, and beyond. Join this collective experience, complete with a virtual red carpet, athlete appearances, behind-the-scenes interviews, and vintage throwbacks. Tune into Warren Miller's Future Retro from anywhere. Go to warrenmiller.com to learn more. All right, here we go. So I sometimes ask guests a version of this question, but I want to have, I'm going to play like a game between the two of you guys. And I want each of you to tell me what you think is your brother's best quality outside of their abilities on two sticks. So we can't talk about how they, you know, S word. Just uh, Dan, what's your, what do you think is John's best quality? Oh, I think his spontaneity, his entertainment value. Um, you know, <laughs> he has large entertainment value and... Uh, <laughs> He's adored, you know, people love to be around John. So I think that's definitely. That sounds good. What about John? What's Dan's best quality? Uh, you know, we're, we've always been called the Siamese twins attached with the soul. And, and I almost oh. say the same about him because uh, he can really gather people together and plan stuff out. I, I would say that, um, you know, his biggest effect would be marketing because he, figured out that you know his older brother ski-bomb washing dishes and being in movies and not really doing much with it could actually have a whole life around that and dan created and built a, a business out, out of thin air like really a crazy business that's still going on today right dan egan entertainment network is keep it rolling <laughs> don't let anybody know the difference yeah <laughs> No, that's that's a big part of the game that people don't realize. And I think that you you guys, you know, 
there's always a part of me, like when I get to hang out with you guys or when I'm lucky enough to go S-wording with you guys, I know that I wouldn't exist in this lifestyle without the two of you guys. So there's always so much like gratitude there for me to both of you because it's, uh, you know, it wouldn't have happened without people like you showing me how to do it when I was a little girl. So uh, I appreciate well, that. We, we appreciate that too, Amy. <laughs> it's, it's the one thing that uh, both of us have is a very strong commitment to family mm-hmm. and we grow grew up in a huge family and our grandfather could tell stories and was a history buff and to us the history of our sport um our country um how all these things evolved is really part of us and it's really important to us so you know it, being able to pass the history down or look up the old stuff is really we're, we're, we're in it right now. It's so cool. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk to you guys about coming from a huge family. Um, how many brothers and sisters do you guys have? There's five boys, two girls. That is so many. So seven brothers and sisters total. total. That is a big family. Okay. So I want to know like, a, like kind of on a more serious note, like what did being from, like, I'm an only child. So that's like a, that, that, to me, you guys are aliens, right? Like that life experience is totally different. So what did, what did coming from a family like that teach you? Like, what did you learn from having six brothers and sisters, you know? Boy, there was so much. And it wasn't just six brothers and sisters. You got to remember my mother was one of seven or eight. Oh my gosh. I don't know. And they, they all had seven or eight kids. Like when we got together um, on Sundays at grandpa's house, it was 30 grandchildren together. You know, it was an amazing way to learn the world. Like you, you got schooled right away. You know, it's like a, a, a dog grows up in a pack of dogs. That they all teach them, right? And they're, yeah. they're more mellow dogs. And we had that schooling all the time. We couldn't get away with anything in our town. We had 30 <laughs> cousins in town, please. You know, everybody knew what we were doing. So you really learned um, how you affected everybody. So I think your sensitivity really grew because you realized if you did something, it reflected on others, others noticed it, others felt certain things. So growing up in a family is a great way to be well-rounded, I think. Yeah, it was, um, you know, sort of that that same idea, but um, I think we experienced a lot of things pretty young, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of independence, you know, you had to survive in that group. Right. Um, and it was too many kids, you know, for the parents to track down. And even in our home, <laughs> even in our own home, you know, mom's solution to the was just to get everybody outside. And sure. uh, and that's what that's what we did. And and so by going outside, we went we didn't just go into the backyard, you know, we went away we went a lot of places. So the independence of that, navigating the streets of Boston, you know, there was just a lot of independence and there was a lot of unity. So it was really interesting, the combination of both those sort of that family unit unit, and knowing that you were expected to be independent, survive and be home for dinner. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have to clarify, I'm not technically an only child. I have two half siblings, but I didn't live very much with them. So I didn't have that experience of having brothers and sisters in the house that way. But I've always like fantasized about it, but then realized that I probably got a lot more attention in some good ways and some bad ways. Dad dad was pretty strict. I don't know if you know that about Jeff, but he he <laughs> ran a tight show. He didn't want me doing anything too too uh, naughty out there. But um, was there any like, what's like the, can you think of any stories of like, um, 
like family pranks or something. I feel like with that many kids, there's got to be, you had to have like pulled some jokes on each other or some pranks or something like that. You know, I thought you might ask about pranks, Amy. (laughs) Oh, yeah? For some reason, I just thought about that. (laughs) um, You know, I I, I thought about a a really fun prank. and, and, And because we had so many uncles, aunts, everybody was around. And my Uncle Tom would take over the kids, right? He would just corral the kids, get them away from the rest of the parents so they could have their Manhattan and whatever else they were drinking there. And we'd always say, what, what's for dinner, Uncle Tom? And it'd tell us, roast trunk of tree-dwelling elephant. <laughs> Every time. That's the standard answer. And our Uncle Tom moved out to California, and we were so sad. We, that just devastated us. He was our, you know, one of our favorite uncles, and he moved out there. We missed him so much. And years later, um, my folks weren't sure where I was. I was uh, living in a tractor trailer delivering produce, and I told my driver friend Dennis this story. And he says, "Well, let let me make up an invoice for a fourteen thousand pound elephant, and we'll back up to your parents' house at five in the morning with a tractor trailer. We'll tell them to unload the elephant." And so I showed up at my mom and dad's house um, with a tractor trailer, backed it up the driveway. And my my dad's getting planks out to get this. My mom's trying to read the invoice at five in the morning. And my crazy friend Dennis is just running that gamut. It was pretty funny. They really thought there was an elephant in that truck? My mom didn't buy it, but my dad did. A tree-dwelling elephant. Tree-dwelling yeah, tree elephant. A lot yeah. of things. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, really, so. and Dennis was yelling that it was, you know, shitting all over the truck and making a mess. <laughs> and uh, Your uh, dad my, believed this? Well, my dad, you know, and Dennis was yelling, you know, it's, I need a cup of coffee and, like, let's get it together here. And my mom was uh, starting to dial California, of course, to call <laughs> the uh, the uncle. But oh, uh, yeah, we had never seen uh, John's truck, so we didn't know, you know, what truck, you know, John was hiding <laughs> in the in the cab the whole time. Oh, um, that's funny. But I, yeah. I think there were a lot of uh, sort of family, you know, pranks and, and stuff. You know, my uh, we used to booby trap the backyard. My sister would come up the driveway with her boyfriend and they would park. Uh, in the driveway uh. and so we had rigged the entire backyard with spotlights and and we had surrounded the car and had bottle rockets so the lights went on and we just started humming these bottle rockets at the car and there things are blowing up all over the place and uh you know stuff like that it was and just your sister not... hated you for that <laughs> screaming <laughs> Did you really did not want to date one of the Egan girls because no. boys would be all over you? Right? Well, yeah. there's a bit of an outnumbering thing there too, for sure. Intimidating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, funny. we had a really fun, fun childhood, and uh, you know, we used to ride sleds in the backyard and and do that other snow sport thing right there in the backyard. We had a big skating rink that would build every winter in the backyard. So my folks realized that if they kept us busy, um, we wouldn't keep ourselves busy with other things that were yeah, available. Sure. So they were pretty good about trying to keep us active. You know, I think Dan was much 
more into the, the high school sports, the, the, the football, the baseball, um, soccer he got into. But um, yeah, my folks really wanted us doing things. And uh, they had a good sense of humor themselves. So they weren't afraid to uh, fall for a prank now and again, you know. Awesome. That sounds rad. Um, okay, my next kind of question curtails off this. I'm going to ask it to Dan. And I just want to know, like, now, you know, if you could tell your teenage self something, like, what is the first thing you would tell me? You got, you got one thing to say, say to yourself when you're 17, 18 years old. What would you say? Yeah, just uh, hold on. It's going to be a great ride, you know. Um, Message I of think, optimism. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, yeah, basically that. I mean, it, it's not really until you get kind of down the road that when you look back, you see that everything makes sense. Mm. I think uh, when you're looking and when your younger time seems so vast and so long and people are so old and things are far away, I think, you know, there's some impatience and you don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, I'd probably just say, hold on, it's going to be a great ride. Mm, That's nice. It'd be nice to hear just like a little message when you're 17, like, hey, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) But I guess you probably, you guys probably always had that philosophy. Um, John, I want to know... Two-part question. What's the best advice you've ever been given? And what's the worst advice you've ever been given? (laughs) And maybe the worst advice is probably some of your own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, The best advice that I've ever been given um, was um, probably to believe in myself. And uh then the worst advice I've ever been given is probably to just believe in yourself. That it's gonna work <laughs> out. You know, when the shit hits the fan, it's not okay. But, um, you know, uh, I was really lucky. I had good mentors um, as a youngster um, and in, in the family, our uncles and uh, parents and, and grandparents. But uh, when I went out in the, the big cruel world, um, I had a really good mentor and a good friend. And he always taught me, you know, just work hard and play hard and don't mm. take no for an answer. And, you know, you, you can figure out how to do things and you, you work really hard and then you go play really hard. Don't mix the two up if you can. It's hard to work and play at the same time. That's so, true. Yeah. I, I think that's that's hard in, in my line of work personally. That's a little hard not to intermix the two, but... <laughs> It is work and play hard at the same podcast, time, right? This is a very different thing than being out on a hill doing that S word thing. That's true. And um, so you get creative. I think when Dan and I um, were cruising around the country and had our own show, and Dan had a whole uh, tour set up and everything, um, we thought about it like we were every spoke in the wheel that made it go around, mm. right? So you know, we were out there, we did get to travel, we did get to ski, but then there was putting together a tour and a show for the, to travel with the next year to perpetuate it. It was trying to figure out how to make sponsors work and, and what you could do for them that was different than anybody else would do and, and create a lot of things. So um, just believing that it was worth doing is, is really half the game, I think. Yeah, totally. I like that though. Every spoke in the wheel. I think people ask me all the time, like, well, what do you do when you're not out on the slopes? I'm like a lot of computer work, actually. <laughs> I try to make sure but, I can go back on the slopes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the next thing that 
uh, we, I do this on every episode of the show. It's called two highs and the lows, but I want to try to do it differently. And you guys can, we can relax on the S word restriction for this part because I think it's impossible to avoid. But what I want to know is, you know, you guys are brothers. You obviously had so much of your careers and your lives kind of intertwined, which is a unique experience. Not that many people have their life is intertwined with a family member. And so I want to know from each of you what two highs and one low of that has been, like your guys' you know, of the Egan brothers, you know, for 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 us out here that are the the spectators of the Egan brothers, you know, you guys have done a lot together. And so I want to know two highs and one low. <laughs> um you know one low was um uh you know, we we had so many great highs and we got to go so many places and did so many things and reached so many new limits. And one of the first times we ever tried to climb above um, 15,000 feet, we were climbing in, in Russia, uh, there was a low when we got separated and there was uh, many hours um, where we were apart. There was uh, lots of death around us and it was a horrible situation. And here we were uh, living the dream and the dream was crashing all around us so it was really a uh uh you know a moment in time i think that both dan and might agree too that that was probably one of the lowest points in our career it was like holy crap people are dying because of what we're doing here you know and, and we could be them yeah it's hard when you're in the mountains with your loved ones and your family members um for that reason it's a really hard part yeah yeah you know trying to really worry about you know, is Dan going to make it through the night, this night, next night, uh, being apart? That was really hard. Hmm. Um, I think one of the highs uh, might have been the the Grand Targhee filming event. We had so much snow. We skied such great powder. <laughs> um, we were just when on was top that? of our game. That was in 1990 also. That was just before the Albrus trip. Oh, wow. And uh, these things happen like so close to each other, you know. And uh, here we were on top of the world. We were, we were filming with Gary Nate. I'm sure he's called into your podcast and, and <laughs> he's listening to this, I'm sure, at some point right now and trying to hashtag Gary Nate while he's doing it. But, um, <laughs> you know, we were working with him. We were filming. We, we, we had the, the run of the place. We had the best snow and it snowed so much. Um, we, we just had a great time filming that and we were playing on the edge quite real close. And that's one of the most famous shots. The corner shot. shot. The corner one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there we were, you know, you can see how close the highs and lows are. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, adrenaline is good for fear and it's good for, you know, making it feel good. So it's, that's why we all love it. <laughs> that's right. It's a fine line. between them. Yep. What about you, Dan? Dan. Two highs and a low. Well, I, you know, the, I think the, you know, sort of the ski bum days, you know, when we were just ski bums, skiing, you know, we used to say relentlessly, just top to bottom, nonstop, and just see who was still standing at the end of the day. <laughs> it was a very small crew that would make it through the day. And, uh, you know, those days really, you know, they're just so hard to find these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, were, they were really just so special to be out there without obligation, with one goal in mind. And that was to ski all day, every day. Rain, shine, you know, snow, didn't matter. We just did not care. We, 
we never based a decision on going skiing on conditions that 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 just never even entered our <laughs> mind it was, wasn't part of the conversation you know uh we were going skiing and and i think that that's for sure is definitely you know one of the highs i think you know when it comes to you know the film career and and all the things that we did and, and went you know it's it's obviously it's hard to pull you know just one moment out of that you know but for sure I think one of the high is you know, for sure uh, standing on the stage of the Hall of Fame with John oh, uh, yeah. and getting inducted together and being the first two to ever have that happen, uh, be co-inductees. Um, Did you just call us dudes because like, it was two dudes? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so I think that was, that was just an amazing moment. You know, that was really great. And yeah, Lowe's, you know, I'm, think that you know brothers we have a very dynamic relationship so uh and that's what one of the things that we we pride ourselves in you know Mm -hmm. um because of all the kids and all the family members you know i know that john and i will we survive those moments um Mm -hmm. i think it's more of a a tribute to the relationship uh strength than anything so yeah i don't know you know i mean I would have to say, you know, really one of the lows is not getting to ski with them anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's just so hard to connect and have a ski day. I don't think we got to sit on the lift together and film together this year for the film. And I think in Stowe, you know, we caught two rides together. Uh, but other than that, it's been decades. And uh, no. yeah, I would say that's probably one of the lows. Oh, yeah, well, maybe I, we could change to... that and I can come with you guys. You can yeah, that would be great. That would <laughs> be good. I, I'd have to say the same. <laughs> I love that. That would be great. And that's the thing, Amy, is like, you know, the 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 skiing together, being the ski bum. Uh, Dan and I lived at Squaw many years and uh, skied with uh, your dad, Jeff, and uh, Tommy Day relentlessly on KT. The morning till night, I mean, so much. And those days are hard to replicate. You know, everybody's so busy. It's, I don't know. My really dad hard. still does the same thing. He somehow avoided growing up when he's not out shooting. He's on KT all day. <laughs> he stops to take more naps now, maybe. But <laughs> I, I do say I've made a living at looking like I'm doing nothing. So, yeah. Uh, some would say that I don't work either, that I just ski all day. But, um you know, the thing is, he's there doing it, Tommy somewhere doing it, Dan's doing it, but we're not doing it together collectively yeah. in a group. Um, I can remember every year in January, a group of 10, 15, 20 of us would meet at Grand Targhee and just ski together. And Jackson wasn't open yet. We'd get all the boys from Jackson and we just had a rat pack, which is just the most fun way to ski, please. Mm. You, you know, if, if somehow you could film a Rat Pack, you'd get one of the best films you ever could. And, uh, you know, those days are just hard to come by nowadays. Mm, that's true. That's true. Even, even on my end, sometimes I find that I don't even ski with my closest friends anymore unless there's a camera pointed at us. But it's good to remi- remember that, you know, let's keep that part, keep that part going. Especially right. for me when I'm young, I don't have kids. I don't have very many excuses. So good, good reminder. Well, did you guys think of any stories that you wanted to tell that you didn't get to tell yet about non and not ski stories? 
kind of told some good ones, but. We did. Well, you know, I, I being the older brother, um, I was so excited the first time Dan came to Europe and we were together and I was so excited. And I, we, we went to Geneva and, and we were going uh, into France. And so we stopped at a little store and we bought some food for, for our trip. We were going to Val d'Isere, I think, Dan. Ooh. And uh, I said, oh, I recognize this cheese. It's the best cheese. We got to get oh. this cheese. Get a lot of that cheese. That's the best cheese. Well, <laughs> turns out that cheese was butter and it melted all over the dash because Dan set it up there, you know, cut some crackers in the dash, you know, the, <laughs> the heater was on. So we, we had like a lot of butter on that trip. Um, yeah, I never learned. Melted all over the van? Home. Yeah, well, we had also like eaten like we had eaten an entire block of butter because you know, <laughs> you know I'm telling him it's the best French cheese you, know, you can get. You know, a baguette <laughs> and butter. So, yeah, yeah, that's my favorite part about being in Europe, though the butter. I have to say, I would I'm more like jealous than appalled, to be honest. <laughs> right, it, it could be some of the best cheese you've ever had, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's better than a lot of cheeses, maybe. <laughs> I love that. You know, That's I just awesome. think, Amy, we are so lucky to be able to have lived the lives we've lived. And uh, um, to be able to do that with your brother is pretty special. And uh, we're very lucky that we got to do that. You know, we, we, uh, we appreciate every moment that we still get to do it. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we continue to do that. Absolutely. Dan? Did you have any stories? <laughs> well, you know, there are too many. Some can't be told. Some shouldn't be told. You know? Some, no. Don't Brothers honors me. code. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's just, you know, there's just endless stories of, uh, of things, you know. And I, 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 you know, this time of year around the Warren Miller film, you know, John and I, all the things that we did in our backyard as kids, you know, uh, from playing games, go-karts, uh, hockey rinks, and skiing down the hill. And, you know, every time we went to go on a big trip, we packed in, in the driveway, um, just gear everywhere. And often would leave things behind, like entire backpacks uh, and things like that. <laughs> but we'd, all, we'd always get by. Um, but, yeah, I really just think that, you know, really this time of year, my mind always goes to the anticipation of winter. Mm. uh what's it going to be like uh, where where will i go what how many days you know of course this year there's a lot of more anxiety around that sort of thing but the as kids in the egan house when the ski boots came out of the attic and the clothing came out of the attic the living room turned into a ski shop there was skis on the carpet you found a pair of boots that fit that like hey, hey, great when you're getting new stuff and, you know, I would always look forward to getting John's stuff. He was the older kid. He had cool stuff. You know, he had jet sticks and, you know, Hanson <laughs> boots and all those sort of things. And, uh, you know, when it, when they fit me, I had them and then they went down the line again. So I just think that's, what's great about this time of year. I love the conversations and the stories about the winter. I was with somebody today who was skiing uh, in the recent snow uh, over there in Vermont, just calling it at back and just, you know, go <laughs> losing their minds that they were skiing six inches of snow on grass. And, you know, that passion is, it's amazing. And that, that's sort of the people that will be watching future retro from their homes and getting fired up about the movie, watching you. And so many of our friends in the yeah. film. Yeah. I mean, I think, 
it is so different this year, but it's almost nice because it's simplifying. We're really uh, finding out, we're coming back to like what we actually really just love and look forward to about winter and skiing. It's like a simpler, you know what, like I'm just excited for it to snow and I'm excited to slide through it and I don't really care where I am. That's for sure. You know, and that's the neat thing about this sport that we love is, you know, you're playing with gravity and gravity works every day, even in the rain. And uh, (laughs) it's just so much fun, right? Whether it's, you know, ice or power or bumps, it's skiing and it's really pretty special and we get to do it absolutely well you guys thank you so much for coming on the podcast um i can't wait to see your guys's part in future retro i can't wait till the day that we can travel and gather and ski together again soon um where can people that are listening to the podcast keep up with you guys follow you on social media or that kind of stuff where can they find you well my website feel the turn.com feel the turn.com i like that yeah you gotta feel that turn baby. yeah <laughs> Yeah, so you can keep up with me there and, uh, you know, come ski with me. The best thing would be to get hold of both of us and bring us to Europe or heli skiing with you. Yeah, hard recommendation. That's the best. That's the best thing you could possibly do. Yeah, I think that's the best. Get hold of Amy and book all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and if you go to skiclinics.com and click on custom made adventures, you there can you organize it all right there at skiclinics.com. And, uh, and of course, uh, you, you can go in uh, the new book is called uh, 30 Years in a White Haze, uh, white-haze.com. It's all our ski bum stories. Oh, awesome. Um, and that book is coming out in the first of the year. And uh, we're pretty excited about it. And, awesome. Um, you guys co-wrote the book? Yeah. Uh, I had a co-author on it. John's okay. a big part of the book, of course. He did a major interview for the book. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Wow, that's awesome. I can't wait. I will have to pre-order a copy. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for joining. And of course, everybody at home, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. I hope you are enjoying your virtual premieres of Future Retro. Um, Of course, you can always drop me a line at Amy Ski on Instagram. I love your questions and your comments, all that good stuff. Egan Brothers, thank you so much. Until I see you on the slopes. Thanks for being here. All right, Amy. Thanks a lot. Great job. Thanks, Johnny. Yep. Thank you, Dan. Say hi to Jeff for us, would you? I will. I'll definitely say hi to Dan. Thanks everybody for listening. This is Long Underwear, and we'll catch you next time. Skiing and riding is wrapped up in memories. Memories that inspire me to push myself, like skiing the Palisades with my dad for the first time at age six. And memories that have taught me how to overcome fear and learn from past mistakes, like getting buried in an avalanche in Utah. Do you have a mountain memory that sticks with you? Well, we want to hear it. The good, the bad, the hilarious, the regretful, and the impactful. Leave us a voice message at 970-510-0451 and share your memories with us. We will be airing a memories episode at the end of the season with all your incredible voices. Please keep in mind that voice memos with poor sound quality, language, or over one minute in length will not be considered. Feel free to share your name and where you're from or leave it anonymous. Go ahead, drop us a line. Hi, I'm meteorologist Joel Gratz with Open Snow. Finding the best snow takes local knowledge, which is why our team of local forecasters write a daily snow commentary focusing on Tahoe, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, the Northwest, and the Northeast. Go to opensnow.com or download the Open Snow app for iPhone or Android, search for and then favorite your local daily snow and read it each morning to always know where and when to find the best powder. 
This podcast is a Warren Miller Entertainment production and is presented by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Inkerbrusson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team.